Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know, I know. Some of you listening right now are thinking, what's up, Dan? Why'd I have to come listen to a recorded podcast when I wanted to be hanging out with you live? Well, to you I say, I'm sorry. I just, there's just a lot going on right now. And I hope that you will accept my very sincere apology that I got to save my voice for tomorrow and we kind of got to get everything cleaned up for tomorrow's trade deadline live show. It is going to be crazy. It's going to be freaking nuts. Trade deadline live show. First thing Tomorrow morning, at least for those of us here on the Pacific Coast, I guess uh, you East Coasters will be up a little bit, and uh, in Europe, you'll be in the middle of your day. And if you are in, if you're on the other side of the Pacific, you probably won't be awake yet. 7.30 a.m. Pacific time, Thursday morning, 10.30 Eastern, the Sports Ethos Trade Deadline live show begins. I'll be joined in the opening stretch by the great Steve Vitovich, our director of content here at Sports Ethos. We'll be recapping everything that's happened so far, which as of right now is three trades, one of them that slipped under the radar. Kessler Edwards went to the Kings yesterday, but obviously Kyrie, the big trade so far. If you go back a little bit farther, Rui Hachimura to the Lakers. Those are the three that have shaken out as of this morning. My plan was, if anything broke today, that I might pop on and do a quick live show on it, but nothing did, so we're doing a recorded pod today, and tomorrow, you guys can join me for as many as five hours of Trade Deadline live coverage. Also, we will have a recorded podcast tomorrow, however, it'll just be the last half hour, basically the wrap-up of the Trade Deadline live show, so if you want... Some, if you want something good tomorrow, join us for the live program. The recorded pod is going to be fine, but it might not hit on everything. Other guests on tomorrow's live show, including myself and Steve Vitovich, Keith Cork, Aaron Bruski, Corbin Ford, John Sales, Blake Creamer, Derek Ball, Joe Orico, Rhett Bauer, and Jeremiah Nacorda. It's all of the sports ethos experts It's not all of them. We have more. But many of the Sports Ethos experts will be joining us on tomorrow's live show. Uh, Still very sad that the great Stephen Bagel is not available. I believe he's uh, traveling during the trade deadline. Like an idiot. I love you, Steve. Uh, He's our contract and front office expert around here, so we'll have to get him afterwards for anything that goes down. But that's going to be a wingding. It is available uh, right at the top of our YouTube page, youtube.com slash sportsethos. I know that you guys want me to get into the fantasy, especially with this show coming a bit later today, but I thought that was actually more important because whatever happens at the trade deadline tomorrow is going to be more impactful than whatever I tell you on today's show. The other big news of the morning, really of last night, LeBron James is now the all-time scoring leader in the history of the NBA. Passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with a fadeaway jumper at the end of the third quarter last night. I was extraordinarily fortunate 
that, um, and I mentioned this on yesterday's show, my cousin, a good friend of mine, I know some people talk about their cousins, and it's like people they see once a year. I'm very close with my cousins here in Los Angeles, grew up with them. Uh, his wife could not make the game last night, and he was like, Dan, you come with me to Sports Stuffs. Let's do this thing. And I'm scrambling. On the live show yesterday, I was talking about how I was like basically trying to text anybody I could that could cover childcare in there because I had to get my oldest to Little League before I could go anywhere. I had to get him home from Little League before I could go anywhere. I had to make sure that the little guy was accounted for because my wife caught the cold that I'm finally getting over, and she got it even worse than I did. So she was laid out yesterday, literally coughing so hard that she was lightheaded and just lying on the ground. Uh, And I'm like trying to figure out a way to get to this thing. Well, I got there. Thank you so much to my mother-in-law, Debbie, for... Uh, picking up the pieces there when I needed to be gone and uh, her daughter needed to be lying on the ground. Um, You guys probably remember when I was finishing up a show last week and I was like, as soon as this show's over, I'm just going to go lie on the floor. This was a bad one. But I got there. I got to the game, parked in my secret spot. I haven't been to a Laker game since before COVID. At the beginning, it was because of COVID. More recently, it's because the opportunity just hasn't really presented itself. I only had one kid before COVID, so it was a lot easier to leave the house. I didn't have to worry about that many things, many moving pieces. Now I got the other one, and so the one kid's going one direction. The other one is little. Uh, well, finally the opportunity presented itself. And you know what's funny is I remember my cousin mentioning this game to me like two weeks ago. It was like, hey, I got tickets to the Thunder game uh, and I wasn't thinking about it really. But then like 10 days ago, I looked at it. I was like, you know what? That game actually... There's a chance that he breaks a scoring record. And I sent him a text uh, like six days ago. I was like, dude, that might be the he breaks it game. You should sell those tickets. And he thought about it. He texted me back. He's like, I'm not going to sell them. Like, I want, a, I want an experience. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And then, boom, still available. I went. I'm like over the moon. So grateful to my cousin, Davey. Thank you, Davey. I don't think you're listening to the podcast, but thank you for uh, what was a very, very special event. So cool to watch it in person. Um, So funny, honestly, to watch how, you know, with 10 seconds left in the third quarter, I know that there was no way that the NBA could know he was going to hit the the record-breaking shot with a half a possession left before a scheduled, like, three-minute media timeout. But they just stopped the game. Like, it makes sense. Uh, For, like, a solid 10 minutes. It was a long break in the middle of a basketball game. And then LeBron tried to come back out and play again in the fourth quarter, and he seriously looked like someone had shot him in the leg. To see... He looked human, which was kind of... I don't know. Cool, I guess? Because for 20 years, LeBron has basically been a superhuman... He is so big and so strong and so fast and, like, so on all the time that to see him forget breakdown and cry because, look, once once you get near 40, man, you start crying about stuff. That's just the way it is. And I started to cry way more once I had children. Uh, I don't know if that's how it works for everybody. That's how it worked for me. Great. He cried, but then tr- trying to get back up and play after that, he had nothing. He shot a corner three ball. I mean, you guys remember this shot. I think it was at like the eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter. He tried to shoot a corner three, wide open. Lakers got him an open look. 
And, I mean, he was he was probably like a foot short on a corner three. I mean, that's a, not that long of a shot. That's a ball I can get to the rim. Congratulations to me. Can I get it in? Ah, who knows. But they subbed him out shortly thereafter because he couldn't chase anybody on defense. He just got blown by two or three times. So LeBron was done. Uh, and now... We look towards the trade deadline, but what a cool, cool night. LeBron, the all-time scoring leader. Kareem was there to, uh, so they could be part of the sort of handoff together. Really nice that Kareem is, and I mean this in sort of the least crass way possible, but really nice that Kareem is still alive because he's not a young buck anymore. What's Kareem? He's, he's in his late 70s now, isn't he? Early 80s? It's been 40 years since he broke the record. I think he was around 40 when it happened. Uh... He wasn't moving that great, but man, Kareem is still, he's razor sharp, that dude. But they were out there. It was a cool presentation. They didn't talk that much. And then LeBron yelling, like, F it. I love you guys, as he was signed out. Uh, Did have a little bit of a Kobe feel to it at the end of his speech. I don't think it was an intention. But now for me personally, you guys don't care about this. You want me to talk fantasy. But personally, I've been a part of a couple of pretty cool things here in L.A. lately. Uh, I was at the the game where Clayton Kershaw broke the Dodgers strikeout record. Not as impressive as this. Uh, but now the LeBron breaks the scoring record game. Pretty amazing. Let's talk fantasy basketball. There weren't that many games yesterday. That's why I figured we could take a few minutes here at the front end. I do still want to save my voice, so uh, we won't we won't run too long on this one. The Knicks beat Orlando 102-98. They did it with defense. Uh, bad offense for New York here, except for Jalen Brunson again. Man, what a signing he's been. Jalen Brunson has pretty much single-handedly turned the Knicks from a bad team to a slightly above-average team. Oh, boy. And now the Mavs, after lo- losing him, have to take the swing on Kyrie Irving. What a crazy trickling of events here. Emmanuel quickly was better in this ballgame. I keep expecting him to have a few of these in a row. There's still a bit of a consistency thing, and he's a young guy, so I think you can expect some of that. But he's playing better defense these days, and that's why Tibbs is trusting him a little bit more. I still like quickly as a head-to-head option. I don't like him as much as a roto guy because he's just sort of like you get two games like this one, which is, you know, top 75, top 80 type production. Then you get a couple games where he's more like top 120. And for Roto, it doesn't quite, it's not an every game performance type of deal, but head-to-head, if you average that out over a decent scheduling span, uh, and he's been pretty durable too, then that's a winning play. That's one of the big differences, head-to-head in Roto. You don't have to worry about the one odd kind of quiet game as long as he's out there just putting stats up. It's not sort of counting against a game cap in any way. And I can understand the appeal on the head-to-head side. We don't have to worry about, oh, well, what if this guy has an off night? You can roll with it anyway. Jericho Sims played 35 minutes in this ballgame. A lot of that had to do with Isaiah Hartenstein getting into foul trouble. Uh, by the way, he has officially told everyone now that his last name has a Stein sound in it. What's with these NBA players that don't tell anybody the correct pronunciation of their name for five years? Nemanja Bielica. He let everybody call him Bielica for like a decade. Hartenstein. Which... Does sound a lot more German. I'll give him that. Hartenstein. Anyway, he was in foul trouble. Uh, didn't play as well, although he was a plus six for whatever that's worth. Jericho Sims was a plus one in his 35 minutes. It doesn't tell the whole story. But look, you're not flipping back 
uh, Isaiah's still the guy as you're filling. He'd been playing better here lately, uh, and I would give him another chance. Give me another chance. Orlando, nothing at all. Jonathan Isaac played 12 minutes, so that went up by one. So not nothing at all. Almost nothing at all. New Orleans, they're back on the winning kick now, and this is how things go. Teams go on losing streaks, then they win one, and they start to remember, oh, that's how we do that. They lost 10 games in a row, I believe. Now they've won three in a row. Lakers woke them up. Herb Jones, he's been playing better lately. I keep wanting to write him off, but it's possible that he just hasn't really been healthy most of the year, and now he kind of is. Logged a team high 40 minutes. Was really solid. Again, Brandon Ingram looks like he hasn't missed a beat, even though he missed two months of beats. He's been good. CJ's quieting down, as you'd expect, as sort of other scorers come back. Trey Murphy is holding on with efficiency. He's been incredibly efficient his last three to five ball games after a very quiet spell. I continue to worry about Trey and Herb tapering off and if Zion ever shows up I think the latest report was that he's hoping to be back after the all-star break but we'll see if and when Zion comes back uh, I can't imagine that those guys continue to hold value maybe Herb because he can do it with steals and just like other stuff with Trey it's like he needs to hit high efficiency scoring marks but for now we ask the question could these guys hold on when Brandon Ingram came back? Initially, it didn't look like it. And now, slightly post-initially, it kind of does. And this is why you give things a game or three or whatever it is to figure out where how things are going to look when the dust settles. And now, if you don't know, now you know. Phoenix got Devin Booker back, and apparently they needed every bit of it to beat the zombie Brooklyn Nets, 116-112. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about Phoenix. Um, Cam Johnson, we talked a bunch late last week about how they're kind of re-ramping his minutes up. And this one got him up pretty damn close to full starters minutes. He played 29, I think, in a in most, in like an end game. He probably gets over 30. But regardless, 29 is more than enough for Cam. He's a top 75 asset the rest of the way. Someone dropped him in one of my Roto Leagues. Somebody got impatient I, presumably because of what we had talked about uh, last week, which is that if if folks saw his minutes drop to 15 and didn't see that kind of clever post-game quote that was like, oh, like, you know, I got it kicked up too fast. And, uh, you know, we needed, it, we needed to take a step back uh, to make sure that my knee didn't get aggravated. He might have gotten dropped in some spots, and he did in one spot, one of my leaks. That's it. I play in relatively competitive formats, so, you know, just one. Uh, but I scooped him up with a very large fab bid, and I feel great about that because, you know, that's like a free top 75 player. I guess it's not free. I did have to bid on him. Chris Paul, this is probably more what you should be expecting, closer to 10 shots instead of, you know, he was up 15-plus for a, a couple of games there. Big assist numbers, huge steals numbers here. You know, I don't I don't have a lot of complaints now that Chris Paul is actually playing. Uh there was a long stretch there where he wasn't and now he is. And he's right at the edge of the third round and slowly rising. CP3 on his way up the board. On the season he's at number 36. Where is he at over the last month? I feel like it's been pretty good. Number 17. Some of that was with a few more shots in the bucket, but look, like 
Chris Paul. He, you knew he was going to come around eventually. The question is sort of how much, and can he now stay upright? As far as Brooklyn goes, I do have a few thoughts on the Nets, so let's let's pause here on the Nets just to make sure that we kind of cover all of our bases. First of all, Nicholas Claxton unaffected by any of this stuff, so don't worry about that. Ben Simmons came back in this ballgame, played 27 minutes. Uh, I don't know what the end game is for him, but I imagine they did go a little bit easy on Ben in this one with his first game back after some knee soreness. Uh, he looked bad. I'm, you know, I don't want to be too reactionary here, but he really did have two good weeks this season. The rest of the time, it's been somewhere between bad and meh. And the meh games are fine. You know, if you're punting free throws, his meh games are inside the top 100 for you. If you're punting points, his meh games are inside the top 100 for you. So there are formats where it makes sense, and... You guys know me, I end up in a soft points punt points build uh, on more than a uh, few occasions. But he's also a really tough guy to roster because the bottom can fall out fast. This is a four turnover, six assist game. I like the six assists, I like the steal, I like the block. Field goal percent is going to be relatively good. He doesn't need any three-pointers, so you know that's another possible build thing you're looking at there. I still think that he has a, a, a an avenue to value the rest of this year, even as the team is currently constructed. The problem, of course, is that they shipped out a guard and brought in a guard and a forward. And so there are now more options for the Nets to not play Ben Simmons. However, and this, this tree branch just keeps going. However, we don't know who the hell is going to be on this team tomorrow. Brooklyn is in a waiting game. They're trying to figure out if Kevin Durant wants in or out of whatever's left now that Kyrie is gone. Other teams are waiting to find out if Kevin Durant wants in or out. If he's in, the Nets are trying to upgrade the players around him. Maybe a thinning of the herd, so to speak, where you send out a couple of guys, get one back. If he's out, now you're looking at full rebuild mode. Do they even bother playing Ben Simmons in a full rebuild? Is he even there in a full rebuild, although I don't know that anybody really wants him right now. Which leads us to our other names on the board. By the way, you're holding on Simmons. Uh, Royce O'Neal, probably a drop as everybody starts to play. I do still think that he and Dorian Finney-Smith are fairly redundant from a player skill set standpoint. They're both excellent rebounding 3 and D type wings, like kind of big wings, power forward. Big wings! That sounds fun. Uh... Joe Harris, Seth Curry didn't play, but those two guys are kind of redundant on this roster. TJ Warren is a little bit redundant on this roster. The one guy I look at as not redundant is Cam Thomas. He scored 40 again for the third consecutive ball game. Now, obviously, this isn't going to keep up the entire rest of the year. This is a pretty insane explosion going on. A guy that's just on, like, the heater of a lifetime. But what we don't know is, like, what if Kevin Durant gets shipped out? Who comes back? Do they go into kind of a tank at that point, in which case Cam is going to get to play a lot? Do they try to upgrade around KD? Does that thinning of the herd allow them to play Cam Thomas more? He's a hold, obviously, 40 burgers, three games in a row. I don't think anybody was dropping Cam Thomas. But if you had the slightest inkling in the back of your head, like as the trade deadline passes tomorrow— 
and let's say the Nets do something medium to large, I would say don't drop Cam Thomas. Don't make him one of the guys who are like, well, you know, someone's probably going to take his spot here. It's not a guarantee. Probably he loses out somehow as guys return, you know, as Dinwiddie plays or as Durant plays or whatever. If they bring other guys in, he's not going to get 39 usage the rest of the season. But it's also not a guarantee that it swings so far the other way that he's not startable. So sit on Thomas. Let's see how this thing goes. There is a non-zero chance that he has fantasy value the rest of the way. Memphis and Chicago was largely devoid of fantasy angles. Brandon Clark and Xavier Tillman have kind of slipped into a timeshare. So I'm inclined not really to do much with either of them right now. Although Clark getting 25 minutes, which he did yesterday, is enough for him to get fantasy value. We just haven't seen him get 25 minutes consistently. And there's no reason to think that him getting it in this one ballgame means he's going to get it in the next one. I will kindly pass. Does Chicago blow it up? I doubt it. I feel like they're I feel like they're gonna wimp out. They're the number nine seed, so it's also hard to say, well, we should just blow it up. They're technically in the playoffs. I mean they'd have to go through the Hawks. Uh in the play in to get there, but I don't know, man. Bulls have not been particularly impressive in my eyes this year, so you got a choice. Do you want to continue to be middling, or do you just set the whole thing on fire and try to go into a full rebuild? It's too late to tank effectively this year, but you could certainly amass copious assets with DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nick Vucevic. I mean, these guys are would be worth a ton on the trade market. You get firsts as far as the eye can see. Denver blew out Minnesota. Not a whole lot to take away from this ballgame either, mostly because of the blowout, but not all of it. Uh, no Jamal Murray. I assume he'll be back relatively soon. He was playing really well uh, coming into this thing. Bruce Brown usually fills in better, but didn't. No bones again. And so, you know, he continues to sit on this will-he-won't-he-get-traded razor's edge one would assume he does because he's just so deep in the doghouse but you never know and then as minnesota goes uh no slow-mo and when kyle anderson doesn't play the wolves are god-awful he's the engine on that team right now it's crazy uh okay see in the lakers we talked about lebron already something was wrong with anthony davis yesterday the conspiracy theories are flying they are flying and honestly i can't blame everybody for letting them fly uh because he looked he looked listless when he was on the floor. He looked disinterested uh, when LeBron was setting records. It's just, it, it was weird. Does he think he's getting traded? Was he sick? Was he beefing with somebody? I honestly don't know. And I was there. It was hard to, I mean, I, I didn't see it when I was there. I was at the other end of the floor. But uh, pretty weird. Actually, the whole thing was weird. In any event, LeBron and AD are the only Lakers you're starting in a in a category format. Russ had a much larger fantasy game than he did reality. Russ's six live ball turnovers, I think every single one of them was a steal to Jalen Williams. I, I like I don't have a I don't have that stat offhand, but I know Jalen Williams had six steals and Russ had six turnovers. And I would I feel like while watching the game, at least three of them were just like a pass that Williams caught and then took for a layup himself. It was it was so rough. 
And Russ was a plus four. He wasn't even the worst of it. Dennis Schroeder was atrocious. Couldn't make an open three ball. Can't guard anybody. I mean, the Lakers have so many problems. This isn't a podcast to talk about the Lakers. But look, it comes back to Russ and his contract. Russ is making $40 million to play like a, like a $10 million role player. That would be the whole difference. If there was some magical way to change Russ's contract from 40 to $10 million and the Lakers could use the other 30 to go get, I don't know, two other like decent NBA caliber players, they'd probably be an okay team even with Russ. But they can't because he's not that great and because his contract is horrible. The combination of those things, having, you know, it's a little bit like John Wall's last deal. Walls went through some stuff. I don't want to drag him into this mess. But, like, when you get a contract that's this much of an albatross and this much impacts what you can do, not only, like, in terms of the player on the floor, he's not playing like a superstar. There's just no, like, he's not the worst player on the Lakers. And that's the problem with this thing. There's there's just an inability to to accept the nuance of it that he can be, you know, the third or fourth best player on this team but that also, because of because of the gap between the basically the top two and Russ, he's playing like a guy who should be making thirty million dollars less than he is. And God love him. Like if someone was going to give him forty million dollars, whatever it was four years ago, he ain't going to turn it down. I'm not mad at Russ for taking a hundred and sixty million dollar contract. I'm irritated at the situation that his contract and the Lakers sending away all of their NBA level players to get him has made it so they can't get other NBA-level players. So they got these guys, with perhaps the exception of Pat Beverly, that don't belong playing 25 minutes a game in the NBA. They just don't. There's a reason I like Troy Brown Jr. He seems like a nice guy, and he's like a kind of an okay fill-in dude, but this guy was playing. He had to play 30-some-odd minutes a game for this team. There's a reason he didn't get to play on worse teams in recent years. I like Thomas Bryant. He went on this furious run. But, I mean, he was forced into it by the AD injury. But, again, like he can't guard anybody. Schroeder. He's a last-second signing, and he's the critical point guard on this team, but he can't hit an open three ball. Every once in a while, he has a decent ball game, but, like, you're expecting your veteran minimum guys to play like 12 to $15 million guys, and that's not going to happen every night. And then you look back, you're like, well, why can't we get 12 to $15 million type guys? The guys that are, you know, like a KCP. The guys that are consistently NBA level. Well, because you have traded them all away for Russ. We'll see what the Lakers do at the deadline, but this is why they are where they are. As far as OKC is concerned, the Lakers made the whole team look good. Uh, Mike Muscala, Mike Muscala revenge game. He hit four three-pointers. Isaiah Joe hit five more. The two Jalen Williamses combined for five threes, 39 points, and eight steals. I'm seeing double. This reminds me of the Simpsons. Four Krusties. I'm seeing double. Four Jalen Williamses. Anna Kenrich. Oh, for heaven's sake. I know that everybody had a big line for OKC, but you're still going with just Shea, Giddy, and Jalen with an E. 
All right, everybody. Let's take a look at what's going on tonight, provided, you know, no trades come down in the next... I wish one would break right as I'm trying to go off air. It's not going to happen, but a man can dream. Big card tonight. Okay, nine gamer. Not that big. Medium large. Charlotte is in Washington. Uh, you know, Daniel Gafford. I haven't heard much about Gafford since he left the last ball game a little bit early. Uh, but provided he's back, I'm pretty pro Gafford right now. I guess we'll see how it shakes out. Beal was a game time decision in their last one, so that means I expect him to play in this ball game. But again, we will see. It's another one of these situations where we just kind of have to watch the the injury report. But if he's going, if all those guys are going. Kuzma as well. I think he's, what is he, questionable now? I don't know if he's been ruled out yet. Might have missed it, but I don't think he's been ruled out yet. Um, I'd like to see that team healthy. I think Monte Morris got downgraded to questionable. I'd like to see them healthy so we can kind of just understand who's going to get to do what. Detroit? Um... Do they really wait until after the deadline to move Killian Hayes back into a more a feature role? I guess we'll see. But, you know, that's the thing to watch out there. Cleveland, nothing. Philly, we're hearing them linked to different stuff. Furkan Korkmaz requested a trade, and nobody gave a crap, as nobody should. Uh, but would they do something else? Would Philly kind of break up a little bit of the band? See if they could move some pieces around? I don't know. Otherwise, not a whole lot. Anthony Melton, to me, remains a hold, almost regardless of what happens in this ballgame. Boston, still no Marcus Smart as far as I know. Sounds like everybody else is either questionable or playing. Uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, again, keep an eye on the injury stuff. San Antonio, I think while I was talking, I believe Jeremy Sohan got ruled out. Yeah, Trey Jones still out as well. Um... What do we got here? Yeah, I mean, but Malachi Branham, you could probably play him on the head-to-head -head side. Uh, I still like Josh Richardson, provided he's still starting. And then who knows what they're doing with Pirtle here. Uh, and against a team that's been linked to him in trades, and that's Toronto, where he'd be going back to, potentially. Raptors are a whole ball of wax. Ball of worms? Bag of worms? I don't know. Not a whole lot to track in the short term. You got a Chua. Indy, not much. Miami... Not a whole lot. Gabe Vincent here filling in for Kyle Lowry, but I don't know that he quite has enough to do unless somebody else is out. Sacramento, nothing. Houston, just kind of keeping a, a sideways look at Tari Eason and his minutes, how things are rolling with the Rockets these days, and how do they respond to getting called out in their last one. Minnesota, whether or not slow-mo plays is seemingly everything for them. I don't know. Nas Reed got the start. Could that be potentially... Interesting if he started again, I guess. Utah, they're in all kinds of trade rumors. I don't expect them to break before the ballgame tonight, but again, you never know. We've talked about it before. Colin Sexton is a hover-the-mouse-over-him player in case they blow up the backcourt for L.A. Dallas, debut of Kyrie Irving, but no Luka Doncic on this one right now. So I think Josh Green probably still has a little bit of shelf life to him. I don't know how much farther than that I would extend things. Obviously, Christian would, uh, but I don't think I, I don't think I'd venture beyond that. Clippers, nothing. Warriors, keeping an eye on Divincenzo, and then Portland again. You're just waiting to see if anybody gets moved. Yes, I think I do play Drew Eubanks, but you know, again, you're hunting sort of a lower round 
kind of a back-end center line. That's what you're expecting out of Drew. And that is our show for today. I told you we were keeping it a little bit on the shorter side. Voice-saving 101 over here with your pal Dan Vespers. Getting ready for the big one tomorrow. At Dan Vespers on Twitter. I will see you over there promo-free on this lovely little Wednesday. Have a great one. Trade deadline tomorrow morning. Later. Later.